Father, I do thank you um, for your pursuit of us. Thank you that you um, allowed Howard to see clearly who you were. Pray that you'd continue to bless he and Debbie and their family. Pray especially for them as they spend just a lot of time traveling back and forth for Debbie's folks. And I just pray that you'd continue to give them wisdom as they care and love them and um, help them adjust to new situations. Pray that it'd be a joyful time as they, they spend part of the holidays with them coming up. Pray that you'd continue to encourage and strengthen and, uh, and grow them in their walk with you. Give them opportunities to love those around them as, um, as you have loved them. God, we also pray for our time this morning. Pray that you'd open up your word to us, that we would see clearly, that we would not be blinded by our own uh, sin, our own selfishness, but that we would see clearly uh, who you are, who you've called us to be. And then God, ask that you would uh, conform us to the image of your Son. And we ask these things in his precious name. Amen. And again, we are in 2 Corinthians this morning. Um, just a reminder, last week as we began talking about those six places in Scripture where Paul says, thanks be to God. And last week we looked at the occurrences in Romans and 1 Corinthians. Uh, the first one in Romans 6. Um, Paul was thankful that the past was the past. He says, I'm thankful that you were slaves of sin and the emphasis was on the word were you're not anymore now you're slaves to righteousness and he was thankful that they had become obedient to the truth that that had been revealed to them that they had said yes i was a slave to sin but no longer i'm now choosing after god had opened their eyes after god had had really made known to them revealed to them who he was they responded in obedience, and he was thankful for that. And then, in, and then in Romans 7, he was, I'm thankful for present mercies. And even though that was true, that we are, if we're in Christ, we are dead to sin. We can choose not to sin. Paul, in that passage in Romans 7, talks about the fact that sometimes we still allow the flesh to reign. We still choose to walk back into that cell and close the door and just kind of say, this, I think this must be better. And because of the fact that we still choose at times to walk in the flesh, because of what Christ did on the cross, Paul says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. And so in addition to being thankful that the past is in the past, he's thankful for present mercies. We still experience the mercy of God because of the cross of Christ, because we still choose to disobey. We still choose to rebel at times. And so in, in one sense, we still deserve the wrath, and yet because of what Christ has done, we don't. He took that. So there's this present mercy that's always available for us. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, that long passage about the resurrection and the truth of it and the wonder of the resurrection, Paul is thankful for future victory. Even though we still are affected and we struggle through the issues of sin and death in our life, we can look at the cross of Christ and we can look at the resurrection as a promise of what is to come. That one day death will be swallowed up. That sin will be removed. That the sting of death, sin, will be removed from our lives. We will rejoice in immortality and imperishability. This morning we're going to look at, at three more places where Paul says, Thanks be to God. 
all in 2 Corinthians, uh, in chapter 2, in chapter 8, and in chapter 9. And so we begin um, this morning in, in chapter 2. And a little bit of background, Paul had, had sent the Corinthians, back up even farther, Paul had spent a year and a half with the Corinthians and, and planted a church and developed it and helped them to grow and mature in their faith. And then he left and he heard there was troubles and so he sent a letter uh, hoping to resolve some of those issues. And then he sent Titus to just see how things were going, to check up on, to answer any questions, uh, to love on them, to help them work through the, the difficulties of that letter because it was a difficult letter to write. It was, in some instances, very harsh. And so now Paul is, is curious how that went. He wants to know, was that a successful journey? Did Titus, was, was he able to, to smooth over some of the rough waters? And so Paul goes to a place called Troas, which is on the west coast of Asia, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, across the sea from Greece and, and Macedonia. And he expected to find Titus there and to get a report. And then we read these words beginning in, in verse 12. Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother. But taking my leave, I went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Paul is thankful for his current situation. I'm going to flesh that out. And so as we think about this, you need to be thinking, am I thankful for where God has me right now in the situation that I'm in? So Paul shows up, Troas, and, and like Paul always does, wherever he goes, he takes the gospel with him. That's just what he does. He's going to meet Titus, but he shows up and because that's who he is, he says, I can't not preach the gospel. He begins talking and preaching, and he finds that there's success. There's a door open for ministry, he says. I'm having success, but at the same time he's going, but that's not why I'm here. I really need to know what's going on with these dear brothers and sisters in Christ that I spent a year and a half with. And I need to know how they dealt with the last letter I wrote them. I need to know if, if the gospel is really changing their life or not. I need to find out if I need to go back and Titus isn't here. What do I do? And he makes the decision in the midst of success, in the midst of ministry that's going really well, to leave that to cross the sea See if he can figure out what's going on. And so he leaves where he is. He crosses the sea to, to look for his brother Titus to find out what's going on with these dear people that he cares for. In the midst of, of two good options, what do you do? Right, do I stay where the gospel is being successful? 
do I go and, and leave that behind because I'm, I'm concerned with these other people? And in the midst of that, he makes a decision. We don't, the text doesn't explain how he made that decision or why, but he says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. In the midst of, of what probably, if you read through the rest of Paul's letters, a broken heart over the fact that somewhere someone's going to miss out on something in relation to the gospel. He's thankful that ultimately God's in control. Because he says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. That word triumph is a word that means um, a, a political, a, a military triumph parade that a Roman uh, general would have after he'd conquered a certain people. And there's a lot of debate on whether the us are the conquered, the slaves who are being led to death, or if the, the us that Paul says is being led are are part of the conquering general's troops who are just along and having fun in the parade. And we can argue about that, and we'll talk about that more in a second, but if we just spend our time arguing about that, we miss the most important point. The most important point is that God is thankful, I mean, that Paul is thankful to God because he's the one that's leading. He's the one that is triumphant. He's the one that's sovereign. He's the one in control. And so as we think about our current situation, and I know that, that over the last three years, there are several of you who have wondered and debated, are we in the right place? Are we doing the right thing? Are we where God, is supposed, God wants us to be? Those are legitimate questions. We need to ask those questions. We need to debate and, and wonder, should I be somewhere else? Nothing wrong with those questions. In the midst of that, though, are there two things that are evident in your life? Number one, are you thankful that for where God has you right now? And is the gospel going with you where you are right now? Is that part of your life? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever tension you feel of, am I in the right place? Are you taking advantage of today with the gospel for opportunities for ministry with the gifts God has given you? And are you thankful that in God's sovereignty you are where you are right now, even if you really, really, really want to be somewhere else? Are you thankful that God has led you to the place where you are at this particular moment and this particular time? Sometimes that's difficult because sometimes this particular moment and this particular time is painful and it's hard. It may not be where you want to go. You may feel ineffective. You may feel lost. You may feel alone. But are you thankful for God's sovereignty? Are you thankful for the fact that He's not surprised? He's not up in heaven wringing His hands going, I don't know what to do with this person. Are you thankful for His sovereignty and for His control in your life? Because you are in that moment Paul says, an aroma. Now, now, here's that issue of are you a captive or are you part of the conquering army? Ultimately, I'm not sure that it makes a whole lot of difference because even if you are in the conquering army, don't you think that some of those people who had just finished conquering this foreign land, even though parades are nice, would rather be home? 
and yet they're, they're being led by this conquering general. And so regardless, there is this aroma that you exude as people of Christ. And some people don't like the smell of that aroma because regardless, you are choosing to be led. You are following a master. And there's a lot of people in this world who don't like that, who think that I should be free to do what I want to do. And when they see you following someone as a captive or as a soldier, ultimately you're being led to your death. Maybe as a soldier, most certainly as a captive. And people don't like that. And so I'd like for you to think about yourself as both of those situations for a moment. In your relationship with God, do you sense that God really has conquered you and you are His and He can lead you wherever He chooses, even to your death? Because when we do that, it's it's like what Brandon read a minute ago, right? Do you realize that you're free to be a nobody? You're free to be no one because Christ is everything. And are you content being led to your death? That's what He's called us to. He's called us to die. He's called us to give up who we are so that we can really be who we were meant to be. And the world doesn't like that. The world thinks... You need to make of yourself everything that you can make of yourself. I don't like the idea of of you dying to yourself to to be somebody you you were called to be. And so to those people, you have the stench of death. But to others, to your brothers and sisters in Christ, to those who, who get it, when they see you walking in obedience behind the Master, even if that means to the death of something, that is a a wonderful smell of of life. Here's someone who gets it. Here's someone who's willing to give their life for a greater cause. Here's someone who's willing to lay down what's dear and most wonderful to themselves for the good of our Savior. And that's an encouraging aroma to the body of Christ. are you thankful that God has you where you are? And then maybe, are you aware of the fact that God wants you to be His light where you are, even if you wish you were somewhere else? Are you actively participating in the life of the body of Christ being an encouragement to them? Are you actively participating in the life of the folks around you as a picture of the gospel of God. Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Are you living triumphantly? Spreading the gospel where you are. Being an aroma to believers and non-believers. Are you thankful for your present situation? We turn over a couple of pages 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Are you thankful for like-minded friends? We read in 8, beginning in verse 16, Paul says, 
But thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he has gone to you of his own accord. See, Paul found Titus finally somewhere in northern Macedonia. He had just returned on a, at least, depending on where they met, an at least 300-mile journey without a nice, comfortable, air-conditioned car. He met Paul. He gave a report. Paul penned this letter and said, Titus, would you go back? And not, he, he didn't say, well, if I have to. All right, Paul, for you. But being himself very earnest, he cared about these people. Paul, I'm genuinely concerned about their spiritual health, and if you want me to go back, I'll go back. Even if it means retracing my 350-mile route, I'll go back. Because I care about these people. I'm concerned about them. I love them like you love them. I want to see growth. I want to see maturity. I want to see these issues that have that have flourished in this church that aren't healthy to be resolved. So are you thankful for like-minded people? There are other people in this body who have the same concern for the loss that you do, who have the same concern for being a good parent as you do, being a good husband, being a good wife. You may not know them, but there are people in here God has placed people in our life who have the same desire and care and earnestness for the things that you care about. Again, you may not know them, but are you willing to spend time to figure out who those people are and to spend time together for mutual encouragement? The problem is, though, that you're well aware, as we begin to spend time with people, it's really easy, number one, to take them for granted, Number two, as you spend time with them, their flaws begin to come out. You know, you thought you found this perfect, like-minded person that, you know, we're like this and we're going to change the world together. And then you get to know them and you find out they're a sinner just like you. Maybe even worse than you. And so that, that thankfulness can begin to wane. But if we fight for that, if we continue to thank God for the people that He's put in our lives, it helps guard against taking people for granted and it helps guard against being disappointed when their sins come out, because they will. My guess is if you hung out with Paul long enough, he would start to get on your nerves. My guess is if you hung out with Jesus long enough, he would start to get on your nerves. Not because he has shortcomings and flaws. but because we have shortcomings and flaws. And is it possible that the reason that I'm annoyed at other people, the reason that I first put them on a pedestal and then they slowly start to, to teeter off that because I learn who they are, is it possible that's more my issue than their issue? Is it possible that, that I keep knocking my heroes off pedestals because of my own sin and not because of theirs? Because somehow... I want or expect them to be perfect. I've made my perfect friend in my own image. 
And when they don't live up to that, I get disappointed and I, and I quit being thankful for them because they're a, a fallible human being just like me. And what helps me overcome that is to continue to be thankful to God for who they are, for who He's made them to be, for how He's helping them to grow, how He's maturing them. Are you willing, like, like Paul said to the, to the Corinthians, are you willing to, to bear with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against one another, just as God and Christ forgave you? Are we willing to keep in mind that, that I really got on God's nerves a whole lot, and yet He was willing to redeem me, to send His Son for me? But specifically, what exactly was Paul thankful for? Not just that he was like-minded, but that he had the same earnestness for the Corinthians' faith, that they, were, that they would grow, that they would mature. He was thankful that Titus really had a heart to see people become Christ-like. And when we have that heart, and that's what we're after, we will necessarily be inconvenienced. Titus was inconvenienced. He just got back from a long journey and then Paul turned him around and sent him right back. I would call that an inconvenience. And if you, if you think that it's not going to be inconvenient for you to help someone grow or, or for you yourself to grow, then you're mistaken. But the question is, are we willing to be inconvenienced to grow? Because it costs us something to grow. If you decide that you're going to devote yourself to spending time in this Word, which you should, that will cost you. You'll have to give up something else. There are only 168 hours in a week. If I choose to spend part of that time here, I'm going to have to choose to not spend that time doing something else. If I'm going to develop a habit of prayer, that will cost me. It might inconvenience me. If I'm going to spend time with a brother or a sister in Christ to help sharpen me as iron sharpens iron, that will cost you. It will inconvenience you. And our encouragement to you is that you would desire that, that you would desire to be inconvenienced, that you would desire to count the cost and to do that, to spend time in this book on a regular basis, to spend time developing a lifestyle of prayer for your brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter how hard that is. To spend time with other believers in this body, being sharpened in smaller groups. It's hard to do that in here. I can stand up here and talk to you all morning long and it can go in one way or the other. And if there's no one to come alongside you and ask you difficult questions, we're all good at faking it. Are you striving to be the person that Paul would be thankful for? So he's thankful for his current situation. He's thankful for like-minded friends. And then turn over to the end of 2 Corinthians 9. We were here just a couple of weeks ago talking about God's provision and um, His generosity to us. Um, 
We read in, in verse 15, the last verse in that chapter, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Well, what is that indescribable gift? In the, the bigger context of chapter 9, he's talking about the, the fact that Paul always gives people what they need in order to be generous. We talked about that two weeks ago or so. But in the more immediate context, notice that he says in verse 14, while they also, the Judean believers, the people that were in Jerusalem who were suffering, they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. The indescribable gift that Paul is thankful for is this grace that God has given to believers that then causes this reaction in other believers. We've got to think about that for a second. The Judeans find out that, that these Corinthians have received the gift of grace and because of that they yearn for them. They desire a relationship with them. They desire to know them. Not because they might send money, not because they have what they need, simply because God has given this grace to them and they recognize, as, as we read the rest of the letter and talk about, that there's now this bond that's between the Judeans and these complete strangers. Different nationality, different background, different culture, different way of growing up, quite possibly different language. And yet the Judeans yearned for them because they have received grace. And they're saying, you're, you're part of us. We're family. And I yearn to get to know you because now all of a sudden I have this new brother, this new sister in Christ, and I want to know who you are. And that just kind of blows Paul's mind. And he says, thanks be to God for this in." Describable gift. I can't describe how amazing grace actually is that when, when one person who has it understands that when another person gets it, we now have this relationship that causes one to yearn for the other. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I can't wait to meet this new relative that I have. I'm sure that many of you over the years have had siblings or cousins who are about to have a baby and you couldn't wait to meet this new addition to the family. Or even as parents, as you waited for the arrival of the birth of a son or a daughter, you couldn't wait to meet this new addition to the family. You couldn't wait to get to know them. You couldn't wait to see what makes them tick. You couldn't wait to learn their personality. You couldn't wait to share with them the love of God that you have in your heart with them. And that happens, should happen with us and complete strangers. If you have been saved by grace and if they have been saved by grace. And Paul says that's an indescribable gift. You can't measure it. You can't buy that. 
you really can't adequately explain how that happens. And yet Paul is thankful that it does. And so, final application this morning. Are you thankful that God has given you brothers and sisters in Christ through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you look around the room, we come from all different places, from up north, from down south, from out west. Some of us actually started out here. We have different experiences, different pasts, different church experiences, different ways of, of thinking about as we've grown up who God is, and yet people sitting in this room have experienced grace. Are you thankful to God that He has allowed you through that grace to be brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you thank God on a daily basis for that gift? And then do you, as you understand what He's really done, that He really has made us into a family, do we yearn for one another? As people in this room come to mind, do you pray for their growth, for their faith to be strengthened, for their understanding of God's love to be deepened? In short, do we treat each other like a close-knit family? Because that's who we are. That's who God has made us to be. And we need that. Because we find ourselves often in places where we wish we weren't, and so are we thankful to God that we are where we are, surrounded by a family? And are we thankful to God for those like-minded people? And, and, and ultimately, are we thankful to God that He has given us grace? That indescribable gift. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank You. I thank You for this body of believers that You have brought together from the four corners of the world literally. Thankful that you've made us family through your grace. Father, I'm thankful that there are, there are many, many people sitting in this room who desire for others around them to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for their earnestness to be lights to the world. I pray for us as individuals in a body that we would, by your Spirit, be faithful, be obedient to the calling that you have called us to. Through your Spirit, encourage us and challenge us and equip us to be lights to the world. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?